0: enjoyed the break where Willie P was making some Sasquatch calls. We didn't even hear it, but we got some text saying, hey, what's going on? Why, why are there Bigfoot calls here? So you had to go out over the air when you were trying to put it in queue so you could listen, Fiddy?
2: I don't know what I did. I tried to... I tried to play you Bone's Sasquatch calls from his Bigfoot extravaganza over the weekend, mm-hmm. and undoubtedly it was in the background of commercials. All so. right, so can we can
0: we do it again? If you were playing it over the air, then you could do it again, I would imagine. So let's because I was getting text messages on the text line. People were saying, "Hey, have Willie P go with the Bigfoot call." And so apparently, this is because, as Fitty just demonstrated, I did see these tweets.
2: Bone went to a Bigfoot convention or like a festival, is what you said. And this it, is a real thing. Yeah, like 40,000 people uh, show up in Marion <laughs> every year for this. I, I think wow. I think Bailey went last Perfect year. That's place. why we started calling him Bigfoot. Oh, Bigfoot Bailey. That would make sense. And so now I, I, I walked into the uh, side studio when they got off the air this morning, and now it's Bigfoot Bone. All right, so let's hear the call from Willie P on Bigfoot. It's not
0: Willie P. Okay, T-Bone, I mean, sorry.
2: These are like real people calling to Bigfoot while he's
0: at the convention. All right, just go ahead and play the sound so I know what's happening. <laughs> oh, that sounds... It's a minute 20 long Oh we might not need to listen to all of it So people were listening to this during the commercial break <laughs> And so the idea was to try to get Willie to do this during a broadcast
2: Yeah he's gotta have one in his back pocket right
0: Oh that sounded good Yeah he can definitely do one um. Alright, we don't have to play anymore Those are good The first the first three sound bites are good
2: I think we just, wild We just have a whole show on this We should you, do the whole show in Bigfoot talk
0: Um. I know some people that believe in Bigfoot Like serious like that Are you one of them? No, I'm You're, not cause, I, I think we would have seen them by now I do well, I know there are places to hide I know, I know Such is why this thing lives <laughs> Because of the well argument Whoever's on the other side of well They are going to have And I get well. it There are plenty of spaces undiscovered I just feel like at this point, if if the Loch Ness monster, maybe not in that lake, yeah, but any sea creature I could buy because the depths they're crazy. Like any kind of crazy, so you buy a Loch Ness, but not big no, Foot. no, because Loch Ness monster is in a lake. I don't think I, I don't think so. Maybe Bigfoot too. Hey, look, I'm open to be convinced. I am. Do you See, believe in Bigfoot? I think big Loch Foot? Ness is so big that he would be found or it would be found. Do you believe in Bigfoot? Yeah. Why, so do really? Well, do. a conspiracy think, theory. This is what I mean, this is right a lot the of these
3: pictures and, and and different things you've seen over the years. I mean, people have been talking about this decades upon decades upon decades. And so I think where there's some uh, smoke, mm-hmm. there's some fire.
0: Gardner Webb James says they, in 2016, yes. knew a family who swears they saw Bigfoot multiple sightings in central North Carolina area. Uh, M-Dog said, I was in the drive-thru of McDonald's and thought I was getting yelled at because of the... <laughs> Bigfoot <laughs> yells. No, m Doc. Order your Big Mac in peace. No Bigfoot here. But there are people that still believe in it. 100%. I could be convinced. You believe in aliens, though. I do believe in aliens, yes. But that's because space is is really hard to think about. Yeah. It's the hardest thing to try to grasp what space actually is. If we want to do the whole conspiracy thing, whew, man, it's hard. Yeah, that yeah. one's really hard.
2: Do you believe there's another life form out there? Like, Do you think there are other... I there guess humans. Are, yeah, I
0: think so.
3: No doubt about it. There are others. Talk about Area 51 and all those confidential files and all the stuff they've talked about over the years. Yeah, man. I, I've always said, I think if you went into government files, you will find stuff that just will make your skin crawl.
0: Uh, 980 number said, Harry and the Hendersons, just dot, dot, dot. Have we ever seen that movie? <laughs> I, yeah, and no. the show. It used to be a show, too. I did not know that. I did yeah. know about the Finding Bigfoot show.
3: Yeah, Harry and the Hendersons was a show.
0: 704 said, dude literally has a TV show going around finding that extinct species are not actually extinct they would have found bigfoot by now if he was real oh because of a tv show did it i don't know so okay what about ghosts do y'all believe in ghosts that's a great question yeah whether you want to call them ghosts demons whatever yeah for sure do you like that well um uh, you know i'm spiritual people will say that i'm spiritual maybe yeah. you are that's fine this is delving into a little bit of a complicated topic but that's okay I don't know if I believe in ghosts or not.
3: I dated a girl. She said that, um, I think it was like her dead grandmother. And she told me that her, she would have like, I think like a pair of socks or something like that on her dresser. And she would come up, go downstairs and come back upstairs and they'd be in a drawer Mm -hmm. and, She would tell me all this wild stuff, and I thought I would never be here by myself again. So I guess if you put it that way,
0: it's (laughs) funny. Here I am talking about how I don't really believe in ghosts until you tell me to spend the night in a haunted house, and then I believe Uh, in (laughs) them. Sorry. Okay, you're right. I'm sorry. I believe in them. I'm sorry. I don't want no problems. Please, spirits, leave me alone. I do not want any of those issues. So that was actually going to lead me into this question when we were discussing irrational fears, just completely random, okay? Wes was looking at his phone. I mean, just completely random, out of nowhere. He said, man, could you imagine being eaten alive by bedbugs and that being the way you die? And we're like, um, no, I couldn't. That would, that would really suck. And apparently this was an article that you saw. It did lead me to this question, though. Fiddy asked or told me about his irrational fear of a black widow just randomly making its way into your room and biting you while you sleep.
2: Well, I mean, like, you know... Scientists will tell you we swallow like seven spiders a year in our sleep.
0: Classic elementary school fact that we would run with, one hundred percent.
2: So like yeah, like there I I have a fear of Sleeping in a black widow somehow finding its way into my room and in my bed and bite me. And I don't turn into Spider-Man. I turn into Dead Man.
0: Okay. <laughs> That's what I want to know. What is your irrational fear? What is a, a legitimate, irrational fear that you have or something you're just a lot more scared than everybody else is? I've got one that I don't really mess with. I don't really mess with elevators like that. Mm-hmm. Don't go in them. Claustrophobia, decent thing for me. Mm-hmm. If I can see out of the elevator, it is so much better, but I am really, I am taking the steps if there is an option. And of course, we're not having to go crazy. Up. Like I can handle it. I can get everything together. If we're going in the elevator, it's cool. But if there are stairs for like what, two stories up, something like that, I'll just go ahead and take the stairs. See, that's instead the, the
3: one. I don't like the elevators that. I can see out of. Oh,
0: that's so much
3: better. It's, I mean, it's a cool visual, but you still get the visual like you're up there, especially if it's really high.
0: Mm-hmm. I don't like that. Um, <laughs> you just made a Bigfoot sound over there. It seems like... <laughs> what, what, was your, <laughs> what was your reaction? What were you reacting to?
2: Um, Moose is saying his bungee cord breaking. Cause, oh, yeah.
0: I mean, yeah, I just wouldn't... I'm, I might do it, but that no, would be No, there's no certain, way. <laughs> it'd be scary. I think I'd do it. You think you would? Yeah, I'm terrified of heights though. <sighs> bungee I I jump. There's something a little scarier than just doing the whole catapult thing at amusement parks. You know how they'll just shoot yes. you up in the air. Mm. You're a little bit more protected than just having a bungee cord attached to your ankle. Mm-hmm. Nah, I th- I think I could do some of this. I'm not completely afraid of heights, but I don't think I could bungee jump.
2: Do you see the? Do you ever see the videos of people that go like? They're like in like the Amazon or something like that, and they're up really really high, and they're just they they have a harness on a rope, and they just they just shoot them down, and they're like doing it over a river or something like that. I don't know if you could pay like me, zip lining, Well, like I guess yeah, but like it's like with a rope, and like it's they got a harness, and like you swing and then you come back and then you you're done.
3: I think I don't think I, I think remember I've that. I've seen what you're talking
0: about. I don't know if I've seen that. I'm looking for some other things that you are irrationally afraid of. Real Dog Mick said, try the escalators in Washington, D.C. going down to the subway. That freaks me out. Okay, that's a good one. I I don't know if I would be afraid of that, but that's a good irrational fear. 704 said, brown recluse spider is more likely than a black widow and worse than a black widow. All right, so now you have another thing to be afraid of while you sleep at night, Fiddy. NASCAR Brad said, let's go skydiving, Fiddy. I'm down.
2: Are you going to do it with your boy? (laughs) NASCAR Brad, I love you. There's nothing... No, I'm going on a trip later this year and I've already gotten nauseous thinking about traveling.
0: This is a weird one. 704 said, I have an irrational fear of coughing while eating fried rice and inhaling a piece of rice. (laughs) (laughs) Terrified of the thought. Look, I ask, this is open season. This is your time to vent any irrational fear that makes absolutely no sense and that is OK. We welcome you. We absolutely welcome any of those thoughts. Brian, this is a great one. Anything out of Final Destination happening is my irrational fear. How much I used to
3: like Final Destination?
0: How much did Final Destination affect your ability to drive behind logging vehicles? <laughs> not no, much, you.
3: not much, but I did enjoy the series. I like that franchise. It was one on a few weeks ago, matter of
0: fact. No, I'm I'm good on that. No, you. never watched you. any of them? No, I have. Oh. I, I'm one of those guys, especially when I was a kid, I'm one of those that would do the whole cover my eyes, but I'm so interested. I want to know the storyline. Yeah, line, so
3: cover I'll, your eyes with a little crack in there where you can still see just yep, a little
0: bit. Yep, 100%. I would do that with Saw, too. Oh, I couldn't handle that stuff. 704 said, my girl oh, so. has an irrational fear of bridges. Took her mm. over the viaduct on the Blue Ridge. We almost broke up. Yep. <laughs> Heights. Yeah, people don't you, bridges are weird too.
3: Huh? You don't like bridges? No, I mean they're 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 cool, but I do have a big fear of heights as well. So I do get a little bit nervous. Like you have those thoughts.
0: Mm-hmm. Bradley Blank said, "I have a huge fear of needles. I lose sleep at night before I get my blood taken." People have that fear. Yeah, they do. Yeah, people don't like that one. Panther Bow said, "Ants!" Exclamation point. Always worried I'm sleeping or standing on a pile of ants. Ar said. I refuse to go through revolving glass doors. Wow. It's a little claustrophobic in there, but I don't know if I'm too scared of it. Gardner Webb James says, "Um, never been in a tanning bed either. Yes. Final Destination. No, thank you. You, That's a great one. No way. I am not getting in a tanning bed whatsoever. Yeah,
3: I think uh, there was another movie I think that somebody did. They came in and got somebody like that. They stuck something into the handle so they couldn't open them and turned it up real Mm,
0: high. mm, That sounds (laughs) awful. Um, (laughs) Everybody is just right again. Final destination problem. Somebody talked about getting their hand stuck in the garbage disposal. Yeah, that's that's, that's real scary. That's real scary, too. Uh, Last one. This is my favorite one. It's just one word. Three, three, six. All they said, eyes. And I understand. Yeah, I do, too. People get it. I mean, look, nobody wants to like, I can't be a person that will ever have to wear contacts. I'm I'm one of those people. Wow. I can't do it. I can't do that. Yeah, I wear them. I mean, after the first couple of times putting them in, it got pretty easy. Now. I'm sure I could get used to it. It's yeah. just not anything That's that would be easy cool. for me to just go ahead and take up. I'm going to be a glasses guy if my vision ever goes. Wow. So okay. We'll see how much nerdier I can get. I didn't <laughs> think I could. Um, let's take a break. Let's come back. Maybe we talk more irrational fear, hear more Bigfoot sounds, and also maybe just a little bit, discuss Bryce Young, not only how he can be most successful, but how are teams how our teams going to defend him? We have some sound to play. That's all still to come. Wes and Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.
1: Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20-milligram injection, against quite a few rookie yeah. quarterbacks before Borsley.
0: how do you defend against a young guy coming in like bryce young
1: uh, i think it's very simple you try and speed up their process There's one of those guys that you want him to be thinking at all particular point in time and forcing him to really just be in chaos right. you can get him off chaos and keep him in that way that is the way you want to attack and as me as a defense lineman i am salivating to go against <laughs> a young guy i can't wait to see him especially week on a week one opportunity
3: and that was the voice of one Endymicon Sue talking about how he would defend Bryce Young in his rookie season. This is the Wesson Walker Show, Sports Radio 92.7 FM. And so we are in the midst of Minicamp. Bryce Young is impressing many with his play, but uh, there are going to be a lot of people out there that will have a lot of negative things to say. But Endymicon Sue was on the NFL Network talking about how to defend a player like Bryce Young, and we know that this is one mountain of a man uh in Indomin Sioux and so he talked about several different uh theologies so to speak of how you come after a young guy like that. But the big thing he talked about was just creating chaos and and getting after him. He even said that uh if he was able to just go straight to him on on play actions, he would do that as well. So what were your thoughts on what and Sue had to say, or at least the first part of what he had to say about how to defend him.
0: I don't think I heard anything that is all that unique to a small QB compared to a different QB. The only thing when he talked about, the only thing he talked about in that segment that he had on NFL Network was how you would try to provide interior pressure and not allow the offensive line to create passing lanes for Bryce Young. But also you hear QBs talk all the time about interior pressure being the most uncomfortable thing to deal with in the pocket outside any kind of defensive end coming across the edge. Well, step up in the pocket. That's what a good QB coach will teach you time and time again. So if you have interior pass rush, you have to roll out. Maybe there's an edge defender there. If there's not then you're cutting the field in half by rolling out, right? So that's why interior pass rush is going to not only affect someone that's 5'10", maybe it's a little different with him because you're cutting off some of the passing lanes, but it sounds like this is going to work for anybody, right? Like that's that's what you want against somebody that's also 6'6 and 250 pounds.
3: Yeah, it all comes together. Like you said, if you get the interior pass rush and then those guys – Get on the edge, get the bend, and cut that corner down when he doesn't have a lot as far as room to get out of there. That's where you are the most effective. Now let's hear the second part of what Mr. Sue had to say about defending him uh, on play actions and RPO. Yeah,
1: I think defenses are going to have to adjust to that standpoint because he's going to be out and about in open field. There's not going to be different things that he's going to have to to worry about, especially when it comes to protections. He knows he's going to have certain looks that he's going to go to immediately, and they're giving him limited options from that standpoint, run, play, play action, and it's moving with whether you've got a defense alignment are going to be slowing down because they got to play the run. For me personally, I'm not worried about that. I'm going straight <laughs> to the quarterback because I know he wants to make, make big plays.
3: All right, so that was an interesting soundbite right there because I know that If they do decide to run RPOs with Bryce, in which I don't think that they will be doing a lot of running with him, uh, as well as play action, I think that teams, one thing I guess if you wanted to choose something to worry about from a size perspective, I think defensive coordinators are going to really preach to their guys to get hits on him, even when it's not necessarily an orthodox situation. Uh, Most guys, if they run a play action or RPO and they don't get the ball, the defense We'll let up on him at the last minute. I think the coordinators are going to tell their guys, look, get some licks on him. Make him feel us early because they feel like, one, it could wear him down for late in the game, or two, they could have a chance to put him out of the game. I know it sounds morbid, but uh, these are the way defenses talk. And so for a guy like Ndamukong Sue, if he can rack up a couple of hits early on a guy Bryce Young's size and stature, that could definitely pay dividends for a defense late in games. But what do you think about that?
0: Well, a couple things. One— you have to consider the messenger and Dominican Sue <laughs> was as nasty as they came at the defensive tackle. Position. Was. If we want to talk about just all time athletes that you are most afraid of, you have to go with some kind of size and craziness. And Indomitian Sue is at the top of that level in both categories. Remember, this is someone that was getting Heisman votes at Nebraska because ah, how dominant he was. Dominant he was. I think second overall pick when he came out in the NFL draft. Now, he didn't have the Hall of Fame career, but still very good NFL defensive tackle. Absolutely. So <laughs> the fact that this is someone that is saying, yeah, I'm going straight towards the little guy and making sure I get hits on him. Tell me how surprised you are that Indomitian Sue is the dude saying this. Zero surprise, sir. The second thing I wanted to bring up is the officials part in this. So, okay, Indomitian Sue, other nasty, mean defensive linemen, wanting to make sure they get hits on Bryce Young, even if it's a little bit after the handoff. Maybe they try to play it well. Oh, well, it was still within the timing. Whatever, maybe you get more penalties. I am interested in how officials are going to ref Bryce Young. Because think about what else we had to deal with here in Carolina. Cam Newton was the exact opposite in every way, shape, and form as far as the body goes to Bryce Young. And so many different fans had a problem with the way that he was officiated. Mm-hmm. We all remember Ed Hockley. You're not old enough to get that call, Cam. It doesn't matter. The first game against Denver that you have after you lost to them against in the Super Bowl the previous year yeah, that. gets destroyed in prime time, and they're not protecting him whatsoever. They're not throwing flags despite getting hit in the head, despite taking a beat down. It's why Panthers fans will tell you it's not necessarily him escaping the pocket that ruined his career. A lot of the injuries he took were staying in the pocket and the refs, because of the Shaq type effect, they didn't want to call a lot of penalties on Cam. Will it work actually in Bryce Young's favor? So if it had some kind of opposite effect to Cam where they just didn't call a lot of penalties because this dude is some freak of nature, the real first one that we saw since we started to see some guys in that neighborhood, Anthony Richardson out of this draft, Josh Allen fitting that mold, whatever you wanted to do. Right. But as far as the physique goes, if it's the exact opposite with Bryce Young, I wonder if officiating will actually help him in some of those regards. Well, if Sue does decide to hit him a little late after a handoff, Will we actually get some of those penalties to where they make sure defensive coordinators are not preaching to them every week? Hey, let's not pick up 15 yards the opposite way. Let's go ahead and play this sound and go after the ball carrier. I wonder if that's going to be in the minds of smart defensive brains, too.
3: Yeah, it's going to be interesting, but I still think that some coordinators will be willing to push the envelope, especially when he gets— to the point, If he gets to the point where he's really dangerous, I think some teams would just take the penalty at times. And I think especially RPO situations, I don't necessarily think there'll be a ton of flags there because if you tell these guys that both of you just crash down on the edge and you hit him regardless if he hands the ball off or not, then there's nothing that the referee is going to really be able to do. I think a lot of teams are going to take that approach with him, unfortunately. And so I think that's going to be an interesting thing to watch. And as I said, if there's one thing about his size that would bother me, it would be that the additional hits that the defense are willing to take on him, just because he is a small guy.
0: Well, and the other thing too, when we discuss the the similarity from the SEC uh, similarities between the SEC and the NFL, yeah, it's junior varsity NFL. I get it. I I am not here to disgrace the prowess of the SEC. They mm-hmm. clearly are the best football conference and all of college football. I get all of that. But when people try to compare college football programs or even college conferences to the NFL, you got to think it's the sec all-star team that is getting drafted on top of all the other all-stars in college football, sure. making it to the next level. When you discuss 32 teams having a first round pick and I don't know how many go on the defensive line, right? I don't know how many defensive linemen were drafted, but let's just say five, whatever. So now you're talking about, in five years' time, the best defensive lineman being drafted out of college football. The reason they're drafted is because they are the bigger freaks. They do have a lot of strength. They do have crazy athleticism. And so it's like, okay, well, he did take the hits at Alabama. We, we can't deny the fact that you are dealing with something a little different here in the NFL. Yes, even compared to what he dealt with at Alabama. It's why I never just poo-pooed the whole size thing. I get it. I understand why people have a little bit of that concern. I'm still taking the risk and we have been steadfast the entire pre-draft process, but I do understand somebody like Indomitian Sue and anybody else within that neighborhood, as far as the physique goes, if he gets a hit on Bryce Young, probably going to hurt a little bit more than the defensive tackles that he was taking a beating from in the (laughs) sec.
3: Yeah. To an extent, I I, I agree with you for sure. But I think that, like I said, the, the size and ferocity of guys in the sec, but like you said, Everybody on NFL defenses was the guy you wanted to avoid in college for the most part. The the laser pointer guy where your coach is like, hey, you want to avoid this guy. This guy can bring
0: the pain. So I agree with you. Like, think about it. When you're just going within the division, and this is not an anti bryce Young thing. Mm-hmm. It's just we got to consider yeah, protecting everything. Him. So Tampa Bay, the defensive tackles are freak athlete Kalijah Kansi and monster Vita Veya. Boom. Two defensive tackles you got to deal with in the division from day one. Yep. You go to the Saints. Cam Jordan has been, to me, one of the most underrated pass rushers of the last decade of the NFL. So you already have to deal with him. And now you're talking about Atlanta, where we discuss their weak pass rush. Well, they just got Kalias Campbell, who's a grown man. Yep, Grady Jarrett. I mean, I mean... These are different cats than what they're dealing with in the SEC, (laughs) despite that getting at getting you as ready as possible. Just nothing can prepare you for that type of beatdown. even if the SEC is the closest thing, no doubt. And he destroyed the league. So cool. Take him. Number one. I'm making that pick 10 out of 10 out of 10 times. I'm cool with it. But it is in the back of my mind. Like you do got to protect the guy.
3: All right. So one thing that I I talked about earlier uh, in this draft process was just the point of the Panthers coaching staff, how much it's lauded, how many brains that they have over there. But I also brought up the fact that there's a chance I just I'm a big human nature guy. And I just feel like when you have that many guys that are that smart with those kind of egos that everybody's not going to always agree. Some people are going to agree when they're in the other person's face and behind closed doors, they're not going to agree. And Brian Baldinger kind of played into uh, some of my questioning uh, when he talked about this point on the same show with and Sue, same segment. Play the, play the hits, Fitty. So, Cam, I'm glad I'm going third in this discussion. Here's why. <laughs> because Josh McCown mentioned the
1: CBA. There's restrictions on just how much you can do. It's not fair to young players. Dominican Sue could care less about the restrictions. He's There's earned no that. Right. About young that. guys, they need time. They need time. Okay, then Ndamukong then Sue mentioned chaos. Like the chaos hasn't hit Bryce Young yet. We don't know how he's going to handle it because it's going to happen. There's going to be frustration. There's going to be chaos. And then, you know, what Cam just mentioned is or there's Thomas Brown comes from the Rams, you know, and Frank Reich has got his offense and Josh McCown has his ideas. And we're going to all mold this offense in an offseason that's very restricted. Like I, I do concern... I am
3: concerned about overloading him. Yeah, so I, I thought that that was very interesting. And not just maybe necessarily in a negative way that, that I was thinking about, even though that that's a possibility as well. But I just think when you have that many guys telling you something as all a part of the offensive staff, and not that they would maybe contradict each other, but it's just a lot of information for him to take from multiple guys and so I thought that he brought a good point in and I didn't even think about the fact of the off season, uh restrictions and how much time he will have to be able to absorb this stuff and to be in practice and things of that nature even though we know what a gym rat quote unquote that he is already we know that he's going to try to find ways to communicate with his coaches even when he's not there or also just take copious notes I'm sure to be able to remember the things that they said but what do you think about that as far as just All of the guys that he will have that do have great knowledge, but we'll be loading him up with a lot of information, with the restrictions, with the monsters that we will see on these NFL defenses and these complex schemes.
0: Yeah, I think the first part from Brian Baldinger is more than fair. I just think this is exactly why you draft Bryce Young, because of his ability to process a lot more and thrive in chaos. So if, if that's not one of the strengths of Bryce Young, then what is? That's why you made him the number one overall pick. It's his ability to thrive in chaos, break the game down at a crazy high level and then execute from there. The second part I've never been worried about, and you did bring it up. I've never been worried about it. I don't think the Carolina Panthers are all that different from every other NFL franchise. When it comes to overloading any young QB that's in a system, you're going to have a lot of different minds every which way in a 32 league NFL uh NFL season or 32 team league, right? Like we get there are a lot of offensive coordinators that are highly celebrated. What's the difference with Carolina who has a great coaching staff? We we might like their coaching staff a lot better, but she still have a lot of differentiating opinions with these other NFL franchises. Let's go to Philadelphia. Jalen Hurts has had to manage a couple of different one coaching schemes already. So he's already had to go through some turnover when Doug Peterson was outed from that organization. But we're also talking about guys that are getting different jobs based off of last year's performance that were in that system. And Jalen hurts processing was not as celebrated as Bryce Young's because nobody was. And yet he's still able to be an MVP candidate and get his team to the Super Bowl championship. I just don't think Carolina saying, Oh, we got to make sure you don't overload him." Okay. Make sure you don't overload CJ Stroud. Make sure you don't overload Anthony Richardson. If we want to go back two years ago, make sure you don't overload any of those rookie QBs. Same thing. This is the same conversation, and Bryce Young seems to be the guy that is best adept to taking all of this on because of his process.
3: Well, the thing I will say as far as a little bit of the nuance with the Panthers is that you're essentially having Frank Reich, who's also going to call play. So he has a head coach that is an offensive guy, essentially two offensive coordinators, and a quarterback coach. Whereas you look at a C.J. Stroud, he's going to have D'Amico Ryans, who's a defensive guy. He's not going to be very hands on with him and he's going to have an offensive coordinator and a quarterback coach. So he'll have two voices. But I'm just saying with Bryce, it will be a little unique. And that, like I said, his coach is an offensive coach and an offensive coordinator. And he has another offensive coordinator and he has a quarterback coach. Where some guys on some teams and, and and necessarily it depends, like, do you have the CEO figurehead type of head coach to where he's not going to be that hands on with the Ricky QB and it's just going to be the offensive coordinator and the quarterback's coach. So I think there, there are a little bit of differences there when you talk about the many hats that Frank Reich will wear being two of those. Then you talk about Thomas Brown, who also shares the play calling. And Josh McCown. So he does have a, a a lot to process as far as the amount of guys to deal with. And there are some organizations like that. Like maybe you look at the Rams, who has a Sean McVay, who is an offensive guy. And then they'll have an OC. And then they'll have a, a, a quarterback coach. But Thomas
0: Brown just came from that example. So sure. it, this is not foreign to him. Mm-hmm. So Thomas Brown is already, apparently thrived enough in that role to have gotten him another job, except maybe have a little bit more percentage of control of the playbook. I think everybody understands the role. This is what I've said a million times too. If you can't handle this in your role, then you're not coaching well. That's what it is. Everything about this coaching staff, especially on the offensive side is to prepare Bryce young to be a franchise QB. If that means Thomas Brown, not overstepping what Frank Reich might be preaching to Bryce young, then don't overstep it and find your niche in getting the best out of him. Same thing with Josh McCown. Josh McCown's got to do the same thing. Jim Caldwell, you've been there and done that. You've been a very good head coach. But now you've got to oversee everything as an I don't know his exact title, but the guy is clearly a bright mind. I expect him to thrive in this role, helping him out. And I'll say this one more thing about Reich. Reich seems like a guy that is not going to be this dictator type of head coach. This is this seems to be someone that wants to take the opinions of a Thomas Brown if it will help Bryce Young. Same thing from McCown and whatever other offensive minds you want to bring up. I'm not worried about it. And I think it's because they're so celebrated that I'm not worried about it. If they're good, then they're going to thrive in their respective role.
3: Real quick before we go to the fitty flash, uh I would not think twice about starting him in week one, would you?
0: No. I would not. Okay. I think I think what we're seeing in OTAs is showing you that he's taking all of these snaps as QB. Like, even if Andy Dalton is named the starter, they're still preparing him a ton. And so I do expect him to go by week one.
3: Fitty flash number two. Let's run it. It's
0: all right to be a little fitty. A little hometown or a big old
2: city. Might as well share. Might as well smile. Life goes on for a little fitty. Why? All right, guys. Uh, another rule change yesterday in the NFL as NFL owners approved a change to Thursday night football, 24 to 8, in fact, including Panthers owner David Tepper voting in favor of allowing games between weeks 13 and 17 to be flexed from Sunday or Monday to Thursday or Sunday to Thursday night football as long as the league is notified 28 days prior. This now gives the NFL uh, the ability to flex games for Thursday night football, Monday night football, and Sunday night football. We all know this is a ratings game. And, you know, with it having to be notified a month out, that is enough time for the players and the coaching staffs to kind of make adjustments to how they're going to go about their schedule. But I think this move impacts the fans the most because people that pay for these tickets months and weeks in advance and, and plan their traveling stuff. They're kind of getting the short end of the stick, don't you think?
3: Yeah, I agree with you 100%. Failure. This is not right for the fans. It's definitely gonna pe- put people in a bind. But I think the NFL may find a way to be able to take care of those fans. I don't know how they do it, but I
0: feel like they should be able to do that. So it, it's funny because a lot of the fans are going to welcome the change. Everybody that does not have plans to go to the game <laughs> yeah. would rather watch a better product. But your point's still not wrong. If you are trying to plan to go to this event and then. All of a sudden, it's oh, all right. Well, this game is supposed to be trash. This thing is actually going to happen on Sunday anyway. Yeah, that does affect with people's schedules, trying to flex this thing in and out. And so, I'm also worried about the players here too, because the fact that you do have the capability of playing two Thursday night football games in the course of a season, there are the people that are attending the games and the people playing in the games that you got to take note of.
3: When we come back, we will take a visit to the mound. This is the west and Walker Show, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.
0: and walker sports radio 92.7 wfnz sometimes you just get down a weird rabbit hole and we were looking up former north carolina baseball players when they were making the runs in omaha that would eventually end in the final series they could not beat oregon state damn those beavers could never happen chad flack seth williams josh horton yes dustin ackley whoo big time rabbit hole That was the random one of the day. Now this is my favorite. If we're just talking about random stats where you are just looking up, you know what? I want to be nerd boy. I'll go to baseball reference, basketball reference, anything like that. I love a good baseball reference page, man. Going to see Barry Bonds, what he did during his age, where you see all of the bold across crazy Carlos Delgado, fitty. you and I had a moment looking up just how underrated Carlos (laughs) Delgado was not too long ago. Speaking of baseball, I'll leave this to you since this is your area of expertise.
1: Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation.
0: Time now to take a visit to the mound. Come on! We'll take you on right here, right now! Come on! Hurry up, batter. It's gonna be a short game, and I gotta get home for lunch. my dog was as
2: ugly as you, I'd shave his butt and tell him to walk backwards. Is that your sister out there in left field? Naked? She's naked. Think she'd go out with me? All right, guys. So we're gonna lead off with a, kind of a, a freak accident incident, if you will. Two times within the last week, week and a half or so, birds have been killed during the middle or, or before baseball games. Yesterday, Will Brennan he uh, he killed a ball, or he killed a bird with a ground ball down the third baseline. And last week, Arizona Ace Zach Gallon, former Tar Heel. He also killed a bird in his warm-up before their game against Oakland. And I have to preface this by asking to make sure, mainly on Wes is because I know he's not a big oh, baseball he's gonna guy. He's going to take offense to that. You know, y'all have seen the Randy Johnson video, right? Where he Yes, just, I have. He just obliterates a bird. <laughs>
0: mm. The explosion of feathers at home plate, yes.
2: <laughs> like, <laughs> when I saw this yesterday, I, I clicked on it because I was, I was with you. I was like, I know this just happened a week ago. I can't remember this happening twice in, 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 success, in such succession. And the ground ball, the exit below is like 100.4 miles an hour. And so I mean that that poor bird, wrong place, wrong time, and just poof. so I need
0: to know if anybody else out there remembers the show Sports Science, seven oh four five seven oh ninety six ten John Brinkus. And this specific episode, they did this. They were throwing like a rotisserie chicken around a baseball field, trying to figure out if the Randy Johnson incident was possible again. And we got to see this twice in different (laughs) circumstances. This is nuts. This is like the show Mythbusters or John Brinkus being denied what their actual findings were saying nope this is actually possible i remember that what they did it was like them measuring the square foot of a normal baseball stadium whatever the field of play was even if you hit a home run into the stands they were trying to measure everything and they basically i think this is right i think they came up with findings that were saying no it's impossible i don't think we're ever going to see the perfect timing happen again well here we are two times in just a week's worth of time do you see birds die RIP to those pigeons I hope they're upstairs somewhere in the good glory of pigeon heaven living their best pigeon afterlife and I'm sorry that it had to end that way but it did happen again
2: let's turn our attention to the Braves they lost at home last night to the Dodgers they were up 4 to nothing in the bottom of the first they go on to lose 8-6 to six. the Braves are now just a 12-11 at home They're 17-7 away from Truist, but 12-11 at home with a 23-game sample size. Is it okay to be concerned about the Braves not being able to defend their home field? I don't think so.
3: I think baseball teams get so hot and cold over the course of the season. I think if it was a little bit deeper into the year, maybe so, but Atlanta's look to be one of the favorites this year. I would give it a little bit more time before I got a little worried on how they're playing at home.
0: Yeah, I'm not too worried either, and the reason I'm not too worried is I look at that big old number in green with the run differential. I look at their record being still four and a half games above the Mets. Now that window is tightening. I certainly understand, especially with the Mets on a five-game winning streak. let go Mets. Beat seven and three <laughs> in the last ten games. I still think that this is a team in the first half of the year needs to be disregarded because in the second half, we know that the Atlanta Braves, they show up in the most improbable of ways. I think if John Brinkus were to measure the possibility of the Braves continuing to make the postseason despite first half struggles, he would find it impossible. And yet here are the Braves continuing to have awesome second half runs. And now they've already built themselves a cushion here. No, I'm not too worried. What about you? I mean, if you were a Braves fan, try to do the objective thing here as a Mets fan. If you were a Braves fan, would you be worried about what's going on?
2: Yeah, probably, but I also overreacted to the first month of the year, and now the Mets are two games above five in a row. (laughs) That's right. To me, it is troubling, though. Like, you know, in baseball, if you go 45, 50 wins at home, that usually gives you a good chance to make the postseason. The last thing I want to talk about, I didn't get to this last week, and the best part about it is this guy has since improved his batting average. Luis Arias, who won the batting championship last year in the AL, he's now playing for the Marlins. He's batting three eighty three. and we're getting to Memorial Day, which is when a lot of baseball people will tell you that's when the season really does begin is a 400 season in the cards for this guy, something we haven't seen since Ted Williams did it when he batted 406.
0: I will never believe it's going to happen. I am totally – not that I'm against it. I would love to see it. I just have zero faith. There, the the season that did this to me was Chipper Jones' run. If we can go back, I think this was like 06, 07. I'm trying to bring it up right now. But that guy was batting 400. Oh, pretty decent portion into the season before eventually I think he finished with like a 360, 357, something like that. We're talking about somebody that never struck out in Tony Gwynn getting to 394 in 1994. If Tony Gwynn couldn't do it and this guy's not even at the 400 threshold, I'm sorry. I just don't have any faith that it can ever happen again. But 383, you'll take that any day of the week.
2: Well, the yeah. thing was, was he did it last year when he won the bag title, 316. He's raised his average 60 percentage points.
0: Which probably means it's coming down. Yeah, I was going to say, too,
3: you know, they said Tony Gwynn was a hell of a basketball player, too. I did not know that. Yeah, they said he was awesome.
0: I don't know about this guy. Maybe Luis Soraya <laughs> And
2: so the year you're looking for for Chipper Jones, 2008, he finished with a 364 average. Okay, but I, man, he was in Sports Illustrated.
0: I remember him, if I'm not mistaken, The vision is coming to my brain ever so slowly. There was like him blowing a bubble where it was like three, it was like 400 in the middle or something like that on the Sports Mm -hmm. Illustrated cover. And I remember because, well, I had him on my fantasy baseball team. We won that year. Thank you very much.
2: If someone were to bat 400, would that be more impressive than what Judge did last year when he broke the AL home run record? That's a good question. Uh, I think so.
0: Not to me. Unquestionably. Unquestionably, it would be more impressive. We're talking about something that hasn't been done since Ted. I know the whole Roger Maris thing. To me, this is harder.
3: Yeah, there's what, been 13 guys. I'm looking at the list here. 13
0: guys to bat 400 or better. I mean, think about even how much you would have to raise your average in a Tony Gwynn stance that got closest at 3.94 like once you get down to the end of the season it takes a lot of successful games for you to even raise the average because the sample size is so big i it's going to be hard for him right now to yeah. raise this thing up to 400
2: when i when i struck out four straight times in a softball game that lowered my <laughs> average to 400 oh uh, yeah which in softball that's like one that's like 180 to 220 it the actually is you're
0: right about that you're right about that thats alright that is all right that'll do it for the visit to the mound a lot of good stuff in here 400 could we see it again and also well r.i.p to the birds that's what we were talking about in visit to the mound one more hour to go on wes and walker sports radio you sounded like a bird was that a bigfoot or a bird i don't know we'll find out next wes and walker sports radio 927. 7 wfnz